1: you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome
0: in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. And on today's edition of the show, we are going to be talking plenty. Kate, What are you laughing about? I <laughs> just... I didn't have your mic on at the first oh, part of that. so people just heard me, like, cut you say, welcome, Nelson. welcome in. <laughs> okay. Listen, it's been, a, it, listen, it's
2: Friday, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> Sorry about that. Ugh, incompetence is all around <laughs> me. No, uh, KU football, Texas talk all throughout the show here today. Um, we're going to talk a little about this Lance Leipold, Michigan State rumor that continues to uh, kind of fester, Uh, Josh Neighbors is going to talk some Big 12 KU Texas with us at 340. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports is going to join us at 430 as part of his uh, some of the game picks. We'll have our own game picks, but he's having his Locktober promotion that's starting this week. Five weeks of service through Halloween for 347 bucks. And then uh, also we will get to some uh, Rich Miller audio later on in the show. Uh, Starting things out here before we get specifically into our KU Texas preview, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery and uh arterio morris more news on that He has officially been arrested charged let out on bond he has also been kicked off the ku basketball team
2: yeah this is a no-brainer for ku given the circumstances uh i think uh, when he got suspended it was going to be very very difficult for him to really get reinstated uh so the fact that he's now been arrested and charged i think makes pretty clear that ku needs to needs to distance themselves from the situation uh, and it's 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 disappointing and it's frustrating because this is an ongoing thing. Where going back to when he was first brought in, when he was first recruited, there were questions raised about you know is this necessary? Is this is this type of player you want to bring into the program? Uh, and then I think the staff tried to reassure everybody on that, and now it's kind of come back to bite them here uh, with with Arterio Morris. Moore. So it's it's a really sad situation. Uh, it's a really difficult situation, and, and it sucks uh, for the victims involved, victim involved with with this situation, and and. Uh, I think this is obvious Like I said, it's a no-brainer for K with this point. Uh, just to make something clear, you know, when it comes to something like this, from a legal perspective, obviously Arturo Morris is innocent until proven guilty, but you are held to a higher standard when you are in certain. Positions. Yeah, it's like and it's one like, of the positions of that includes is when you were a member of a basketball team on a college campus.
0: with the court of law with crimes like this. It is one of those things where it's it has to be a I, I forget the, the exact term. It's like uh, beyond the reasonable doubt. Beyond the reasonable doubt for proof. But basically, basically, like basically means on a a. I mean, it's a very you know, simple level. It's it has to be ninety percent. Yeah, a trial it, by exactly, of your jurors, right? 90%. Of, your, of your peers. Now there are differences between that and like a civil trial. And also companies and organizations, which operate more on, like, the civil trial level. Like, for instance, O.J. Simpson was uh, innocent in the actual, like, court of law that his crime was placed. But then when he was sued by, like, the actual family as part of civil court, he lost. Because in civil court, it only has to be fifty-one forty-nine. who we think, you know, which side do we think is on. And that's the same way that, like, Kansas or an organization or a sports team is on. You know, it, it, there's more to it than just the actual, like, there is the PR. There is the second chance aspect. There is the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're other, you have other players on your KU basketball team who had to be witnesses for this thing uh, yeah. in terms of now in the court of law. And, you know, I'd imagine, like, if you were a parent on a day, Imagine if you were the parents of Johnny Furphy. You yeah. sent your kid out here to the University of Kansas, yeah. another you country, kid, 24 nine, hours 9,000 away. hours from home. Exactly. 9,000 miles from home. And all of a sudden... You're his parents, and you open up the Kansas City Star. You see a story that that one of your friends, or your family, or, or somebody sends you, where it's like, "Hey, what's going on here?" I saw that uh, Johnny was listed in this newspaper article uh, about being a witness on. The, you know what I mean? Like, like I'd be I'd be livid if I was one of those parents, right? So, like, there's a lot that goes into this, and uh, obviously. You know, this was something where I, I said this from the get-go when they brought on Arterio Morris. I am somebody who is a fan of giving second chances. I think for the most part, it can be a good thing. And, like, that was something where I was with Jalen Wilson, and he was the better for it. And Jalen, for instance, when he had his thing go on, um, he immediately took uh, responsibility for it. He took action for it. He became a better person for it, and he moved on. And, you know, that's that's how I view these things, right? Yeah. Like, and if, you were, the, the, if, you, if you feel bad about what you did and you – try to become better because of it, then I can understand that. The problem that I had from the get-go here was there was never that level of contriteness. There was a level of arterio saying, I did nothing wrong, that Texas didn't punish him, so why shouldn't I? Um, Again, I go back to the comments that Bill Self made on the Jeff Goodman podcast where he said, and he's going to get to play with a chip on his shoulder this year. You know, like, like those are the types of things that I view looking back and I'm just like, There was never that level of of wanting the second chance. It was just like, I I don't have to have a second chance. This is my first chance. There was nothing wrong. And it's pretty clear to me there's egg on the face of Bill Self. There's egg on the face of KU. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure Bill Self did have to, I don't know, kind of persuade maybe travis goff and doug gerard and whoever he had to have conversations with to be like let me let this kid on like we think everything's going to be okay and then maybe if you're ku and you see him settle and still have to pay the fine and have it as a class c misdemeanor you're probably like wait what i thought he was going to fight this whole thing and if you are you know the the higher ups on ku you probably at some point are like well We trusted Bill Self here, who has earned the benefit of the doubt, but also at the same point in time, it was our job to oversee these things, and we didn't. So there is a lot of egg on face here. There is a lot of this could have been prevented, this could have been avoided because, as I said from the get-go, playing for Kansas basketball is not the same as going to jail or not going to jail. It's a privilege. You don't have to play for Kansas basketball. And Kansas basketball, furthermore, is a premier program in the country. They didn't have to bring this kid on. There were a lot of great players that KU could have gone after and were available in the transfer portal. You did not have to choose this kid. You made your bed and now you got to sleep in it.
2: When you go back to the you go back to his recruitment after he left Texas, was Duke going after Arthur Morris? Was nope. North Carolina going after him? Nope. Was some of the other top programs going after him? No, I think what the next the hit Paul. like the Paul and UCF mm-hmm. were they the only other two schools that he even had possibly might be visiting? Uh, so you know there's a, there were a lot of other schools here that are maybe not on the same premier level that Kansas is that that we're not interested and you know for one reason or another because of off the court stuff and whatnot so uh, yeah the, the whole situation it's frustrating and and I kind of go back to the comment that I brought up last time we talked about this with the with Bill Self saying that you know he wants to take this program to a whole other level with the unsaid part maybe maybe being at at whatever cost that is and now you're paying the price of that cost because you decided to go after a player that. Yeah, might might have been the next John Morant on the court, an incredible player, but uh, you know can't get out of his own way off the court, and, and now that that kind of reflects back on you a little bit, so it's it's disappointing. And again, I think uh, a lot of KU fans probably just kind of took Bill Self at his word and trusted a Hall of Fame coach with over 20 years of experience, and that trust for me has certainly been eroded. Uh, and it's 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 disappointing. It's frustrating. And I think that from KU standpoint now, hopefully. With this situation, uh, you know, it, I don't is
0: resolved the right word,
2: but I mean now it's
0: totally closed, right? Like it's there's resolved no gray with Ontario, area, but it's not resolved in terms of how KU and Bill Self handled this and brought yeah, on. Yeah, that's fair. But
2: uh, from a team perspective, you would think maybe with still some time ahead and going into the season that your team isn't impacted heavily by this. You know, uh, another th- another point that I've always said is without Ontario Morris, you go from being a top two team to a top four team. Wow. <laughs> Big drop off there, right? You're still probably going to be the national title favorites. Uh, so the question is, can you kind of, you know, from a player perspective, you mentioned Johnny Furphy, you mentioned guys being involved in this. Can you still have the team come together and still turn it into a successful season for Kansas? Probably one of the more anticipated seasons that KU's had in the last couple of years, uh, considering they're going to be probably national title favorites.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, a lot there. We'll, we'll get more into this as, as we get closer. Obviously, next Friday is uh, Late Night in the Fog. I do want to get to KU Texas, though, because it's a very big game. Top 25 matchup, and uh, let's let's get into our KU Texas preview here on the show. H- how important is this game? This is a question that I'm going to have as, as we continue to go on. We, we asked it last week with BYU. How important is this game for KU? I, I guess if you were to scale it 1 to 10. Uh, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I mean, I've kind of maintained that,
2: assuming KU doesn't go out there and just get their doors blown off, I don't think I'm going to walk in here on Monday and feel that much different about KU and their trajectory for this season. In fact, I think it's possible that KU could go out and lose this game against Texas, and I might come in here on Monday and feel even
0: better. About
2: their project. Uh, well, about it's funny project.
0: because it's almost based on the results yes. of this one. Yes. Right? Like, that isn't always the case. That's Sometimes the thing, you yeah, go into the, the game, The importance right? of
2: this game, I think that's a good way to put it. It's based on what
0: happens in the game. Because if, if you win wins, it, it's, it's a the most important 10. game ever. Yeah. If you lose by seven, it's, it's a seven a, out of ten because yeah. it's important you showed you were competitive. If Absolutely. you lose by 40... It's uh, 7 or 8 out of 10 cuz it shows that you're not on the same tier. But if you lose by 17 to 20, I don't know that it's that important. Exactly. If you keep if it's, you know, if it's like a 10-point game in the fourth quarter and maybe Texas gets a touchdown late and
2: they win by like you said, 17 or 20 or something like that, probably come in here on Monday and say, "Yeah, okay, that was a measuring stick game and KU looks like maybe they might be a 7 or 8 win team that is not quite on the same threshold as the Big 12 title contenders at the top of the conference, but definitely an above average team, right? I mean, that's pretty reasonable to take exactly. away from that game. So I, I think that's a good way to put it. The importance of the game kind of depends on what the outcome so that is. That
0: usually isn't the case. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like there is a bit of that, but like we went into last week with BYU just being like, Yeah, it was it was a very big game because Yeah, because if you thought you were a top yes, five team in the conference
2: and you're playing a middle of the road of a
0: team that's viewed as a middle of the road team in the Big Twelve, at home, you should win. And they did. Yeah. Uh, now, as as far as, uh, you know, Texas, obviously a very good team. There's a reason they're ranked number 3. They beat Alabama <laughs> and Tuscaloosa by 10. Athletes all over the field. Alabama might uh, really suck, though. Really good on the line of scrimmage. They Alabama might, might suck, might. though. They also beat Ole Miss by 14. I almost, I, Ole I Miss view, definitely stinks. The way I view it is Alabama's defense, I think, is still really good. Like, even in the UCF, USF game, they only yeah. gave up 3. They only gave up 10 to Ole Miss. Um, the fact that Texas put up 34 on Bama does speak very highly. Now, that said, that was... Helped by Jalen Milroe having some bad interceptions and yeah. doing some things that's going to aid the offense. And obviously, a lot of that was was in the fourth quarter for Texas, though they've been a fourth quarter team. You, know, yeah. you look at the Wyoming game, the Alabama game, and stuff. Um, but I view it as like, I don't know how much we learned about the Texas defense so far this year. I mean, on one hand, they held Baylor to six. You held Wyoming to 10. You held Alabama to Dude, 24. Bayless. You add them all up. I know. Dang. You add them all up, those though, boys. and you're like, well, Dang. they're not giving up a lot of points, but also none of those offenses are that great. So I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, listen, what, what scares you most about what Texas we, as we've, well? we've
2: talked about, uh, like, you know, Xavier Worthy and whatnot and guys like that is, you know, Xavier Worthy is the best for wide receiver KU might face all year. Well, on the flip side, Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback Texas is going to face probably all season. And, you know, assuming, and you know, if Texas makes, like, the playoff, up until that point, Jalen Daniels is going to be the best quarterback they've seen mm-hmm. all season. And Devin Neal might be one of the top two or three running backs they've seen all season. The KU offense as a whole, definitely the best they've seen up to this point. What scares me most about Texas, and going back to the Alabama game, is the difference for Texas in that game and why they were able to score the points they were able to score against Alabama's defense is they were, they, they hit them over the top a
0: couple times. They hit some explosive plays. That's what scares me the most about pew, pew, Texas. Pew, pew, Old Jonathan Gannon. Did he Explosives, do that? Explosives, remember? I don't remember that. He took over the Cardinals job. Oh. Like Ron Moore. Uh. pew, pew. <laughs> explosive. Shocks. Listen, he might be a
2: weirdo, <laughs> but also he might be a good coach. Maybe, yeah. So anyways... That's what scares me the most about Texas, because I go back to like the Oklahoma game last year for KU and that was a game where same thing. Oklahoma was just getting yards at will. They were getting chunk big, big chunk plays whenever they wanted. Mm-hmm. I if think they were Texas, a soup they'd be chunky. <laughs> what, what what is your deal? What know. is your deal right now? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm ready for the weekend. I don't know. I just so I just that's my concern. I'm having flashbacks to the Oklahoma game and I see this Texas offense as being an offense that could do similar things. Now obviously the KU defense is much improved, or has shown to be much improved this season compared to last season, but that concerns me, right? When you've got a guy like Xavier Worthy, when you've got a guy like A.D. Mitchell, when you've got a guy like Jatavian Sanders, uh, and that, that's just their wide receiving weapons. That doesn't even come in, take into account their running game that they that could have some big explosive runs as well, so that's what scares me the most is, will they get a lot of explosive plays, and you know, another thing is, does it turn into a snowball effect, right? Mm-hmm. Where Texas hits one explosive play, and then then they hit you another, and then another. And if you're Kansas, you're
0: left reeling and you can't really get yeah, back if, on if your you feet. If you give up one long ball touchdown, just move on. If you give up one, that's fine, right? Yeah, you but, just can't let it snowball. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think overall for me it is going to be the defensive line for Texas. I mean, I'm worried about both lines of scrimmage, but um, if you can at least hold their they're not actual hold don't get holding calls that'd be bad uh, but if you yes. can at least oh. hold their defensive line in check Wear burnt orange gloves that's so how like your offense your holding <laughs> that's how your offense can at least keep up and keep you in the game right Yeah. and that's kind of how i view it so that that's the biggest thing that worries me uh, where do you think ku does have an edge in this game man this is tough because it it seems when you look at texas man they don't really they
2: don't have a lot of flaws they don't have a lot of holes they don't have a a, a, couple, a lot of spots where you can say yeah, KU might be able to take advantage of that. I will say, interestingly enough, KU might have an edge in special teams here. Texas has kind of struggled a little bit. Their kicker, I think, has struggled from range. Uh, I believe they had, a, Auburn, yeah, they, the, they had a
0: blocked punt, right? Is that right? Maybe uh, not. Maybe. I don't know. I know the kicker's 7 of 10 this year, and he's uh, he missed one from, like, under 30 yards. Yeah, so, you know, he's been interest, a little weirdly
2: enough, KU might have a special teams advantage in this game. That's not going to be enough for them to win the game, though, right? Uh, I guess, on from the, on the stats perspective, we talked about this quite a bit uh, over the course of this week, but KU's biggest strength has been their third down conversions. They're first in the country, Texas's defense. That's a strength for them. They're top five, but you could, if you, if you want to say KU maybe has an edge there and, and that they might be able to still get into third down and manageable situations that could help them as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I guess for me, cause it's, it's hard. Texas has a really good offensive line. Quinn yours has been good. The running game's good. The running backs are talented. Um, the receivers are explosive and they got a wide depth of them like <laughs> it's just hard on the offensive side yeah, like, you yeah, know exactly so I don't know that I pick anything on that area um if I am I don't know, looking at the other side of the ball, like I said, I like the Texas defense line, Jalen Fordley. Maybe it's the receivers on the the Texas secondary. Maybe that would be like the one thing that I would kind of point out and be like, okay, you know, maybe this is something here. Um, I'm looking now at like coverage grades on pro football focus for every uh, defensive player in the Big 12. Maybe I should get rid of like edge and linebacker. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to look at just cornerbacks and safeties in the Big 12 on pro football focus, their coverage grade. So, among those, the highest-ranked Texas player is 12th in the conference. Then you have to go to 23rd, 26th, and 45th. So, in theory, they're not, like, that far out from what you should have. Theoretically, if there's 14 teams in the Big 12, you would say, well, hopefully our number one's top 14, our number two's top 28, right? At the very least. That makes sense. But even then, like, you compare it. Kansas has, I don't know, number five with, with Kobe Bryant so far. Um, I don't know, I guess there's not the depth as much with Kansas because then you have to go to Grant, Lasseter, and Mello who are between 33 and 40. So I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I guess this is basically me saying that like I, I don't think Texas secondary is bad, but I don't think it's great either. And I, and I do trust the Texas receivers, and they're going to have to make plays. The I mean, if Texas, yeah, I'm sorry, the Kansas receivers. If the Texas defensive line is getting in there, like that's dependent on, okay, guys got to win one-on-one. Guys got to make catches one-on-one. And uh, I actually do trust the KU receivers to do that. Uh, KU wins or covers if what? I think KU can win if they win the turnover margin and if if they if Quinn Ewers is forced
2: to maybe step up late in the game and make some make some big throws. Uh, I'm not a full total believer in Quinn Ewers as in terms of what he's had to do so far this season because he has great weapons around him. If you keep this game tight, right, and let's say it's a one possession game in the fourth quarter, are you taking Quinn Ewers? Or are you taking Jalen Daniels? Taking Jalen, maybe You're probably taking Jalen Daniels, right? So if KU can survive to the fourth quarter and it still have it be a close game, and I also think that Kansas definitely comes into this game believing they can win, but the longer this game goes on where it is a close game, I think that the more that favors Kansas, right? The more that favors KU on the road, you know, feeling this idea of, we can come in here, we've already done it once, let's do it again, you know, why not us? So if it stays close, you're going to have to win the turnover margin, though. Like I said, I, I talked about this earlier in the week. You're going to have to qu- turn Quinn Ewers over, I think, at least once, maybe twice. And obviously, he hasn't thrown an interception in, I think, 220-something pass attempts and hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. I think you'll maybe need to get one or get him a fumble or something. I think you need to turn him over at least once or twice.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. You have to win the turnover battle in, in a game like this. It, it, it's such an obvious, but in a game where you're the, you're the underdog, it's, it's almost a prerequisite. Um... I I think, yeah, for me, it goes back to the Quinn Ewers stuff here. It's can you get pressure on the quarterback? If you can pressure Quinn Ewers, he struggles a lot more when he's under pressure. Um, And then you kind of go into a situation where you probably do force some of those turnovers. The other thing is just don't get ran all over. I mentioned this out a lot of times. Keep them down in rushing yards. Keep them to around four, 4.2, 4.4 yards per carry. And you're going to have a chance in this one. Because at that point, you're probably not giving up 50-plus points. And uh, then maybe that puts you in striking distance. All right, we'll have uh, plenty more talk about the game. Josh Neighbors will join us in about 15 minutes. Coming up on the other side, I want to talk more about this uh, Lance Leipold, Michigan State kind of rumors that are popping out. There was another report today from Bruce Feldman about interest in the job. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into RCST on KLWN. Josh Neighbor is going to join us in about 15 minutes, talk a little Big 12 and KU football here. Uh, before we do that, the rumors continue on. It just seems like it's a roller coaster. One day it's comment on this, another day it's report on that. Um, this is from Bruce Feldman today of The Athletic. A couple of candidates have emerged in the early stages of the Michigan State coaching search, a source told The Athletic. Thursday. As expected, Kansas Lance Leipold is seen as a strong option for the Spartans. The other name I'm hearing is Washington State's Jake Dickert, who, like Leipold, has roots in the state of Wisconsin. Um, so mm. a couple things here, obviously it, it mentions Dickert and, and that being another guy. Uh, we obviously have the Chris climate. Uh, we, we talked about this yesterday. There were the comments made in the podcast. It was one thing for Lance Leipold to say he loves being here and they don't want to move their son. And, and I think all those things are true, but he also said as part of that, like it kind of depends on the external and internal factors, which externally it could be, well, how much money is somebody offering me? What school is offering me? The internal could be uh, how much support am I getting? How much fan donations are we getting? How is the stadium project going, right? There's a lot of things that can make it moving parts here. But it wasn't the same answer as Chris Kleiman gave, which was definitively never, right? It I know. Like, we kind of no.
2: we kind of poked around at that yeah. on my detector test, but maybe we should have.
0: Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> right? So Maybe, maybe we should have looked in the mirror on that one. Right. So, I mean, I, it could just be that... Um, Bruce Feldman seems to have a good relationship with the Lance Leipold party. Bruce Feldman was the one that broke the news that Lance Leipold took the Buffalo job from Mount Union. He was the one that uh, was the first reporter on the Lance Leipold's uh, becoming the head coach at Kansas. Right. It, it could just be that this was Lance Leipold's agent being like, hey, we want to keep pressure on Kansas to make sure that the you know athletic department is making sure to put the full court press on to get. KU fans in attendance and you know today they, they put out that sale for KU football tickets for $24 for the UCF game you saw the letter yesterday that Travis Goff sent out pleading for more Kansas football support whether it's showing up to the stadium whether it's um, you know donating or or some way that you can help out with the Gateway Project or the future stadium things of that nature that are going to or I guess getting involved with NIL uh, donating in, in some way to allow for more NIL money to players things that are going to indoctrinate themselves with Lance Leipold. So this report coming out, it could be, hey, Agent Bruce uh, Feldman, we, we've given you some good scoops. We'll continue to give some good stuff. Can you do us a solid? Can you get this out there so we keep you know, the KU Athletic Department and the fans uh, so that they have to do the the full-court press? Could also just be just be that, hey, I'm interested in the job, you know, and you want to make sure your name's out there so that Michigan State goes yeah. – Okay, he actually is interested in the job, right? There are a couple different ways of looking at this. We don't, we don't have the answer.
2: Yeah, I will say this: people that think that Lance Leipold would not go to Michigan State because he didn't go to Wisconsin or Nebraska yeah. they need to understand that he may not have gotten off. He may not have gotten offered the Wisconsin or Nebraska jobs. I mean, Luke Fickle, I think, was probably a slam dunk for Wisconsin, right? They probably felt really, really good about that hire. Nebraska was probably looking for something more splashy at the time. Now maybe if this was you know maybe if Lance Leipold was where he is now last year Nebraska might have said Lance Leipold you're flashy enough let's offer you but just because Lance Leipold didn't go to Wisconsin or Nebraska that doesn't mean that he was offered those jobs so you, you can't I don't think you can say well because Lance Leipold didn't go to Wisconsin or Nebraska why the hell would he go to Michigan State well because maybe he didn't get offered those jobs <laughs> mm-hmm. so we you know we, we don't know that kind of stuff we don't know you know and I think it's pretty clear at this point that Michigan State. Uh, has the resources and is going to expand the scope of their search pretty wide to see wh- where they want to go. Uh, so, you know, that's just that's just how it goes, right? Uh, in terms of the Lance Leipold stuff, I- I'm, it- it's tough. I'm, I'm going to go back to kind of my how I felt last year, which is I just want to enjoy it, man. I just want to enjoy what KU football is doing right now.
0: Really, Yeah, no, I I think that's the best way to go about it. But to your point on the, we don't know if he was actually offered the job. This is the athletic article on on how Matt Rule came about at uh, Nebraska. Um, It said uh, that with Leipold, talks with Leipold intensified when the Rule deal appeared to be off. This is from The Athletic. Uh, Leipold had a unique relationship to the job. He'd worked on a recruiting staffer, yada yada yada. If Leipold received an offer, it would be a difficult decision, but by two days before Thanksgiving, he no longer heard from Nebraska. So it's basically like
2: if you are applying for a job, if you're in job interview process and you you maybe you were interested in the job, maybe you wanted the job, but you are the second guy in line. You don't get offered the job. They hire the other guy and, and you, they say, you Hey, you're number extension, two. and then right? they say, Hey, you're number two. If you're number
0: two, does that mean that you turn down the job? No, because you never right. had it offered in the first place. Right. So, and, and maybe for him, it was he might have taken it, but then Nebraska was taking too long. And then he was like, I'll just sign the extension. They're taking too long, you know? Uh, there, but there's a lot we don't know. And so, yes, exactly to your point. For all we know, he would have taken the job if it was formally offered to him. He might not have. He might have. I, I don't know. There's no way of us knowing, and we're not gonna get a straight answer on that because there's no reason Lance Lightbold should or would give that straight answer because Or anybody for that. If you were to say, Yeah, I would have, then that like the players on Kansas and, and the Kansas fans would be like, What the heck, man? Right? And obviously so there's no reason he would give that answer. If you're in Nebraska, you would never publicly say, Yeah, we offered Lance Lightbold, <laughs> and he said no. And he turned it down. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> like, no it's a no win <laughs> scenario for that stuff to actually be told the truth. So I understand <laughs> it and I understand why we won't get an answer. I'm just saying that's why we won't. So to that notion and, but listen. basically End of conclusion, that, that's not a reasonable argument to say he would never take this job because he didn't take those jobs. So yeah. He just might not have got offered them. to that end, there's no indication that Lance Leipold would be
2: the favorite for Michigan State, right? I
0: mean, who knows? Ticker he could might be, favorite, be number right? two or number three. Same mm-hmm. situation. And even then, this maybe is just, like I said, a way to, to get Kansas to uh, put more pressure on it. Anyway, uh, we'll find out, but certainly you'd imagine the reports are going to continue to come in, and uh, this might become a yearly thing, which... On Everybody one hand, relax. is good because it means your coach is doing well. On the other hand, can be annoying, but it is what it is. All right, he's Nick Springer. Josh Neighbors is going to join us next talk a little uh, Big 12 football and KU Texas on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Sporting Kansas City 2 is playoff bound for the first time in MLS Next Pro. The high-flying SKC2 team is ready to make a run at MLS Next Pro. And the first playoff match is tonight at 7 right here in Lawrence at Rock Chalk Park. Be sure to get your tickets today to see this winner go home playoff match. Tickets available online at SeatGeek.com. And we'll see you at Rock Chalk Park to see the sporting of tomorrow begin its playoff run today. Uh, Joined now by Josh Neighbors of Neighborhood Watch. He's also the producer at 103.7 The Buzz in Arkansas. Josh, I appreciate you uh, hopping on here. So we're going to talk a little KU Texas, a little Big 12 football as well. Let's start right there. Jayhawks in Austin tomorrow. Uh, When you look at this Texas team, ranked third in the country. And obviously, that kind of rise came on the backs of the win in Tuscaloosa at Alabama. Now they've they've been impressive in the other games thirty eight to six at Baylor, a uh, Baylor team that played close with Utah. Even though it's been a, a definitely a bad start for Baylor, um, I, I guess how, how much are you buying into the hype that this is really a top five team or with more I don't know uh, evidence on Alabama? Is, is there maybe any questions that you have that maybe they're closer to just being top ten than top five? What, what are your thoughts on how good this Texas team is?
3: I think they're every every bit as good as their ranking, and uh, going into the you know a lot of Big Twelve fans just they don't want Texas to do well. A lot of fans, period. I mean, it's actually you know, it's, uh, a, a fan bases from Arkansas to A and M to TCU to Baylor to, to you know, take your pick. Um, all those fan bases, they they, they they don't want Texas to be good, right? But the thing is, like th- this. Team into the year, we knew they're the most talented. They were picked to finish first for a reason, and it felt a little different too because this is a group that was five and seven two years ago. They also they blew a bunch of leads. And last year they were eight and four, had a shot to go to the Big Twelve championship game, but obviously Kansas State beats Kansas and they get into the game. And so it's this natural progression. It's like all right, they're here and they've arrived. And you know, you look at the recruiting too. Like Sark has put a big investment into the offensive and defensive lines, But actually they still are too. They just got a massive recruit last week and this team is is good in that area like they can they can basically you know they're good up front on, on both sides quinn you're is getting better and that's what young guys do he's getting better as a quarterback and the amount of weapons they have really is a big thing just from worthy to sanders both the running backs are good. All the running backs they use are pretty good, too. So, yeah, this group, is, they have playmakers at all three levels. There's a balanced defense. So, I think that's the big takeaway for me. It's a balanced team.
0: Yeah, and and so it's it's kind of hard to poke holes when when we've been approaching this as well. Where could Kansas have some advantages this weekend, you know? And uh, it's hard to really find anything in, in terms of... I don't know, there's a big hole right here because it just is explosion, explosive players all over the field on offense, good play in the trenches. Um, is there anything that you look at that you think Kansas can can maybe have some sort of advantage in on Saturday?
3: Yeah, the quarterback, I mean, Jalen Daniels is, is a special player, and, and Derek, you and I actually talked earlier in the week about this, but Jalen Milrow, if you go back and watch the game, you know he, he was able to move around and create some, like, they had a tough time getting to him at times. And actually, he had a couple throws that he missed. And I think Jalen Daniels, you know, if you put Jalen Daniels on Alabama, I think it's a different conversation about the kind of team that they are. Uh, Jalen might not have the pure arm that, that Melrose has, but I mean, he is a better decision maker, a better, you know, a more accurate passer. And I think, like, in terms of running him, he's a smart runner. Might not be like you know once he's a pure runner, but he's a smart runner and he's, he's really, you know, we know, that Jalen's got some good bend to him. So, you go back and watch that game, like, there are some opportunities. There's a wheel route on the right side that Milrow misses. And you look at the one thing that Jalen Nichols does really well, he's a very efficient passer, right? He has over 70% completion percentage. And so if he is an efficient passer and he's able to make them pay, you know, and, and Kansas receivers are able to you know, get separation and, and obviously, you know, uh, create some, not I guess explosive plays, but like maintaining drives and whatnot, that's the big area. Because if Kansas can shorten the game, control the clock, my guess is that they're going to play some red zone roulette, and what we mean when we say that is, you know, I think Texas will put up a bunch of yards on them, but you hope your Kenny Logans, you hope your Kobe Bryant's make plays and force turnovers, or you know, prevent uh, six, you know, uh, points, you know, from being six points. if you keep it at three? So, like that's how you want to do it: control the clock. And I uh, and, and I think they can do that. I think because the running game is good. I think because they've got an the efficient, experienced passer. And they've got a decent receiver core. They've got the ability to keep the clock moving, to have long drives. And this team so far this year, every single time they've needed a big drive, a long drive, a scoring drive, to move the chains, and you pick the game, they've been able to do it. So I think they have that. Now It's, it's easier said than done. But um, I think they do have – there are some advantages that they do have. But everything does start with the quarterback.
0: So as far as the Big 12 shockwaves of the result of this game, d- depending how it goes – Let's say Texas wins the game by thirty points. What is kind of the aftermath thought that you think would be around the conference and around the country versus what if Kansas does pull an upset? What do you think the, the conversation becomes?
3: I think if they won by thirty, I'd be really impressed because of how well coached Kansas is. Also, I would I would say that the, the area in which in which Texas usually trips up, like they they have not been bad in big games. Even going back to the Alabama game last year, like they were really competitive in that game and even with the injury to Ewers, they were competitive, and in Oklahoma game they smoked them, right? But it's like those those kind of in between moments, you know, the, the Texas Tech game, the Oklahoma State game, like those just weird ones in between. And actually, this one this one is kind of a tweener. They had that Bama game, which was big. They had the Wyoming game in between, and the Baylor game, obviously, you know, too was a big game, and they they were up for that one, and they hammered them. And then, you know, uh, two weeks, they get the, they have the Oklahoma game, but in between is Kansas, and that's to become a big game. I think they know it's a big game. But, you know, it's kind of these tweener games. It's kind of games like this that have tripped uh, Texas up. So, um, you know, I think if, if they were to win by 30, it'd be like okay, this team is locked and loaded right now, and they're not letting opponents that have lesser talent, you know, um, take games into the fourth quarter with them and, and hang with them, they're getting the job done. So I would say that. now will tell you when it's a whole different conversation about <laughs> Kansas football. And I, I think the, uh, you know, I, I know you all are dealing with the land Bowl yes. right now. <laughs> uh, those are going to take on a different life Uh, And and Michigan State might not be a job that uh, we're talking about. It might be something better than that if they pull
0: off this win. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Josh Neighbors, Neighborhood Watch, producer with uh, 103.7 The Buzz in Arkansas. Uh, Moving around the rest of the Big 12, what would be a team? I don't don't know. Maybe it is Texas or or Kansas, one of the teams in this game on Saturday. Is there a team that you've been impressed with how good they've looked early in this season that maybe to you they have gained the most – respect on the uh, Josh Neighbors scale through the first uh, four or five weeks of the season?
3: West Virginia is the number one team because due to a weird, like due to a bad contract extension from Shane Lyons to Neil Brown um, and, and a team that not able to find an identity. Like they, they were able to keep their coach, right? Like Neil Brown has not had an identity, but because of the bad extension is bad and they, also have, they have some money problems, he's still the coach there. And they also, you know, they fired Shane Lyons and they hired Ren Baker, and I don't think they're going to have Ren make the AD, uh, the, the football hire, immediately. And so, Neil Brown kind of by proxy, like, got, like, an extra year. And for me, I'll be honest, Eric, I, I thought, like, I thought he was so fired that I, I said coming into the year, he's not even on the hot seat. Like, he has <laughs> to coach his way onto the hot seat, and he has. I was, I could tell in game one when I saw them play against Penn State, I was like, alright, so they're, they're definitely on the road in this game, 17 points worse than Penn State, but Penn State might end up being like a hammer and, you know, one of the best seven or eight teams in the country. And so I remember reading the Athlon Sports Preview for them in preseason in West Virginia, and, like, an opposing Big 12 coach is like, yeah, it looks like a max roster. And, like, the is not great, but you go and you watch that pit game and just they lose, they lose Garrett Green, but they are using really creative ways to run the football, they're throwing different looks at people, and the defense is tough as nails, and they it, it's on display right now. I mean, they you know last week they get a, a really nice win, and like this is a team now. They're, they're three and one. I did not think this team was going to be three and one, and I know it's Texas Tech, and you know, they had some injuries and whatnot, but like they got a massive hold at the end of the game. Their offense was terrible, but it didn't matter. And, and Texas Tech fancies themselves an offensive juggernaut, even when Baron Morton's in the game. So West Virginia at three and one, the the big key for them is can you maintain this identity and like can you turn it into something next year? The recruiting's pretty good, but they need to have something and keep it. And if being creative and running the football is it, you know, and hopefully Gary Green comes back to them if he helps them that, uh, that way, you know, I, I hope it works out for them and playing defense because I love that as a you know. Uh, mountain team run the football, play the defense. Personality just kind of fits in, and it fits in especially in a conference. It's got a bunch of weird teams in different places. It's kind of fun to have the mountain team that you know is old school. So uh, West Virginia gets my props because I did not see this coming. I thought we'd be talking about Neil Brown potentially being fired after this week in
0: TCU. Uh, what about a team on the flip side then? Uh, a team that you maybe had high hopes for and hasn't lived up to the billing, or has been a lot worse than you thought? I guess the team you've been most disappointed in.
3: So, I think, the, I think the answer people would tell you is, is Texas Tech. Now, I don't agree with that as much because at Texas Tech, at their best, was an 8 9 win program consistently, but like it was a lot of 8 9s with a bowl win, and that was Mike Leach. And so people were like, okay, this season, Texas Tech's going to make that jump. And I, I kind of thought, you know, that's hard to get a defense out there, and they have not proven yet they have a defense. And so until Joey McGuire gets a great, you know, a, a proven defense or an opportunistic, consistent defense, and prove that like they're consistently winning eight games, it's hard to see them jump, right? K-State's a program that we've seen go to Big 12 championship games, and you'll see uh, contend at to the top level. And They're usually a program that's built around seven, eight wins in that area. But it's not made sense they made a jump last year. Actually, Tech has not lived in that area as of late. Since late, they have not lived in that realm, and so they're not used to winning. And you're seeing that in a lot of their games, too, with, with their pacing goes. So, I think that's the kind of obvious answer is like they're not winning the close games they were last year. I would also say Oklahoma State's a complete nightmare. Like, they ju- they, they're, I don't know what Mike Gundy's doing. I, I never understood the three quarterback rotation. I got it in the beginning of the year, but you have to make a choice. And if you make the wrong choice, that's fine. But when you talk to guys who play, and especially, and I used to work with Gay Biker, played center Oklahoma, and he's like, you need to know who the leader is of the offense. The quarterback is the smartest guy on the team. He has to understand the offense and the defense. He is the you know usually pretty much like unquestioned leader. You need to know who your guy is. You can't rotate three guys in a game. It just does not work. And they, they used to not, You know, last week they picked Alan Bowman, and you know I, I had not been impressed enough with Alan Bowman last week. Uh, you know, up until that, that point to pick him as the guy. I think for this program they're not going to be that good. So I thought Garrett Rangel should be the kid, the guy because he's a younger kid. And they haven't made that choice yet, so I don't know what the heck Mike Gundy's doing. They've got a lot of problems, and they got to fix that thing. So, yeah, turn around schedules not too hard, but um, I've been really underwhelmed with how they perform so far.
0: Talking with Josh Neighbors here on RCST. Uh, okay, I got a fun one for you here. It, it literally. Uh, do you have a player or a handful of players that come to mind if I were to tell you to make a All Big Twelve fun team? It doesn't have to be the best players. Uh, it can be fun in a lot of different ways. Uh, you don't have to come up with the whole team, but is there a couple players or maybe a handful of players that, that come to mind when you think of the all-fun team for, you know, maybe people are scrolling through channels being like, ah, which Big 12 game should I watch? And like, well, that guy's fun. Maybe I'll watch him. Yeah, it's a great
3: question. I, I mean, I would say, like, I mean, just purely, like, uh, you know, let's let's uh, let's watch – um, I don't know what Chandler Morris is going to do on a play-by-play basis, so I get excited by that. <laughs> the Jameis Winston
0: the next- level of fun.
3: Yes. Oh, he is. He is. I mean, those red zone picks against Colorado were horrific. Just really, really horrific. But he also last couple of weeks, especially last week against SMU, he looked really good. So I, I'm, uh, I will give him uh, the, the nod there. Um, Phil Brooks is a guy that, like, every single time you kick to him, it, he's going to put you in pretty good field position. So I'll shout out Phil Brooks on K State. Also, too, if I look at um, Kobe Hudson with UCF, has been a guy. This is why I think UCF's got a good chance to continue to be a good program, but also this year, too, without John Rice Plumley, because they've got so many good skill players that, like, they, it doesn't make the quarterback position irrelevant, but they've kind of limited the importance. So uh, that's definitely a Kobe Hudson, the guy that for Big 12 fans, you know, if you're not used to seeing him, uh, that's the guy that you definitely uh, want to check out. And then I'll go to another running back, C.J. Donaldson at, at West Virginia, a guy who showed up at the tight end but has become like one of the best backs in the entire conference. I'll put him on there as well.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, UCF that they can be a continued program, and that's something that, that we've been trying to figure out here. Like, is there going to be that when Texas and Oklahoma leave, uh, the new program that steps up in you know maybe not year in year out is winning the conference but pretty consistently is up near the top of the conference if not winning it most years uh, do you think it's more like i i don't i don't know if uh, you used to watch college football final in the days when like Reese Davis and and Lou Holt oh, yeah. now that he's been in the news and uh i can't remember the name of the former pit offensive lineman right now mark uh, mark something mark mark yes there we go there we go um when they were on the show and they used to do this segment during when they had the ACC that they had the the wheel of destiny. The wheel did. Wheel, of, yeah, the wheel of destiny. Yes, I, I remember. Sorry. And the, the, there was every every like year, every week there were just different teams, and, and you would have years where like the winner of the division would be five and three of one of the divisions, and then there was like a four way tie at four and four for second. Like, what do you think is a, a more likely path for the Big Twelve? Is it that? maybe schools like TCU or UCF with their recruiting bases or the Kansas State or Oklahoma State, like one of these schools becomes a, a dominant force year in and year out? Or do you think it's more likely we get to the uh, Big 12 Wheel of Destiny?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Big 12 Wheel of Destiny feels likely, you know, in some ways. But Utah, if Kyle Whittingham stays there, that's, uh, it's, that's the number 1 team. Just because they have been so impressive. And they're so well coached. Uh, so I would say... Um, I would say it's them. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, Utah would be the team that comes in, I think, in the, in the end that, that would – like. But, but everybody else, I mean, who the heck knows? Because you look at like, the last – the last – five last six teams that have played the Big 12 championship game, I would say followed up with a bad season. Uh, you know, Baylor and Oklahoma State followed up with bad seasons, And then D.C. looks like they're decent, and Kansas State looks like they're pretty good as well, too. But, like, it, nobody's repeat winning, and they need that. That's what the new Big 12 needs.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Okay, so what would your – I guess at the very beginning of conference play here, we're, we're one week into to the league games. What would be your, your current Big Twelve title game pick? I
3: think K, K State against, um, yeah, K State against Texas for me is what it would be. Oklahoma's offense has been really; they have not kicked it into like second year. They they were slow against SMU, and they were pretty slow against Cincinnati the whole game. And the defense was creating plenty of chances them to put it away. So talent wise, like sure, it's still OU. But production-wise, I mean, I still think K-State's got a good chance. I think Will Howard's really good. That offensive line plays the way it should play. I still think the second-best team in the league. And that Missouri game, like Missouri is actually good. So you just went and played a decent team on the road, and you got caught by a seventy-one-yard field goal or you know sixty-one-yard field goal at the end, and Will Howard got hurt too. So I mean, uh, you know, I I think that that kind of you know can help them make their case. So I'm still on K-State. Uh, and Texas is the best team in the league. There's there's no doubt so far. That's true.
0: He's Josh Neighbors. Josh, where can uh, people check out your work? Uh, you all can find
3: me at Josh Neighbors underscore at NWPod365. The Neighborhood Watch on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network as well.
0: Josh, I appreciate the time, man. Uh, have a good weekend checking out all the, the Big 12 action over the weekend, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. All right, that's Josh Neighbors, Neighborhood Watch, producer at 103.7 The Buzz in Arkansas. One hour down, two to go. We have our Chiefs preview, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports will join us at 4.30. We'll get to our game picks after that. More KU football talk in the 5 o'clock hour as well. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN, depending on it. About half past the hour here on Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson and we're joined now by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Before we get into uh, some of the picks for the week, Lee, uh, I know you guys have a uh, awesome promotion going on right now. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners what you got going on?
1: Yeah, it, it's not October here at Paramount Sports. We call it <laughs> for Not four weeks, five weeks of action and if they use coupon code SAVE100, it's $347 but You know, I was going through watching tapes of a game and one team. I found something tonight in a game that rarely do I find something in a midweek game. We rate our selections from 10 to 50 units. This is a 35-unit play. This is the second biggest play we've given out in college football. I know there's a lot of people. I get a lot of calls and emails and people say, hey, I don't know you well enough. You know, I'm just starting to get to know you, listen to your segment, or they're like, listen, I can't afford a month or a season. So I decided to do this early this morning. If anyone wants to get the game I have tonight, it's a 35-unit, we call it blowout best bet. They can get it for $10. So I know if I win for someone, they're going to want to come on and, and try me for a month or longer. So First time ever in 30 years I'm selling one individual game. It's a game that has not started. All they need to do is go to ParamountSports.com. As soon as they purchase it, window will pop open with the selection, $10. So uh, I, I think I can win this game fairly easily, and then hopefully there will be a client for a month or for or many, many seasons.
0: All right. Well, uh, first game for this week: Michigan taking on Nebraska. The Cornhuskers are the home team here. They're getting seventeen and a half points. Who do you like in this one?
1: So I think Michigan's good, but do I think they're the number two ranked country company and and and, and, and team in the country? I don't know. I mean, both these two teams run; they're run based. And I think Nebraska is going to try to slow down the game with the new rules. You know, if you you get a first down and it's not in the last two minutes of the first half or, or the game, Cox is going to keep rolling here. They want to limit it here to under 10 possessions. So, if you have to win by three touchdowns, that's three more touchdowns, three more possessions where you score a touchdown in your opponent, that's tough. I mean, is Nebraska great? No. But their biggest weakness is pass defense. Colorado burned them through the year, but... The run defense, which Michigan is a running team here, they've given up less than 60 rushing yards in all three games. And I just don't think Michigan's passing game is that explosive here. So I think Michigan's good, but they might be the 8th, 10th, 12th best team in the country. I'm not laying 17.5 points. Michigan 31-21, Cornhuskers cover.
0: Oklahoma is minus 19 and a half. They're taking on Iowa State. Iowa State has struggled this year, but maybe got back on the right track last week against uh, Oklahoma State. Who do you like between the Sooners and the Cyclones?
1: So, traditionally, the Cyclones have played them tough. And, I mean, we we know what's happened even when they lost, like, last year, 27-13. And before that, 28-21, 27-21. He's been a lot of close games. But they looked good last week. I think I figured out Iowa State. So I went against them when they played Ohio. Went with them last week. I thought I saw something late in the fourth quarter. The offense was really starting to click. And they did. They scored 34 points. But now they've got to run the football. To beat Oklahoma or keep it close, you've got to control the clock here. You can't allow Oklahoma 14, 15 possessions. They will blow you out with Dylan Gabriel. Their offense is a passing offense. They have not run for 100 rushing yards in the three games versus Division One teams. And I think this Oklahoma defense is starting to look legit. Oklahoma,
0: 45-17. Uh, the uh, next game on the ledger is the team that Oklahoma is going to be playing next week. In the uh you know, I don't I don't even remember what it's called anymore. Red River, whatever, because they've changed it a billion times. Uh Texas <laughs> It's
1: always a River Red River shootout. Yeah, think, I'm I'm good. I think with you're that. allowed to say it now too.
0: Yeah. No, I think they actually changed it back to that, actually, come to think. Anyway, right. whatever. Uh Texas is yeah. minus sixteen and a half. They're taking on Kansas this weekend. Top twenty five showdown in Austin. KU trying to do what they did in twenty twenty one. Uh where are you leaning on this one?
1: Last year, Texas just blew them out. I mean, it was 55-14, but the last two times in Austin, Kansas came to play. Lost 57-56, and you can't forget that game two years ago with the six-string backup tight end slash fullback walk-on scores the winning two-point conversion, and they went 50-48, to one of the great games in college football. I think Texas' defense is talented. I just don't know how good they are. I know that they held down Alabama, but Alabama the next game couldn't do anything against South Florida. Couldn't do much of anything last week against Ole Miss. It was their defense. So this Texas defense is safe. Alabama, Baylor, Rice, and Wyoming. This is going to be the biggest challenge. Jalen Daniels is one of these guys. He just doesn't have bad games here. Now, I'm concerned a little bit about the Kansas defense, but they do one thing well they get takeaways. Seven takeaways in the four games. Texas 45, Kansas 34, but the Jayhawks cover.
0: Okay. Well, they, yeah. they always say good teams win, great teams cover. So uh, that, that right. would be uh, certainly a good thing for for KU. Uh, On to the NFL. We've got a couple games here. This is a big one. Buffalo Bills are minus three against the Miami Dolphins. Miami coming off the 70-point outing against Denver. Who do you like between these two?
1: So What was crazy about the the Dolphins' 70-point explosion, usually we score above 50 points in the NFL. It's a defensive touchdown, a couple special-team scores. Not the case. Five touchdown runs, five touchdown passes. I always look at injuries and weather. Injuries key safety. is out for Buffalo. Dolphins are getting back Jalen Waddell, who missed last week when they scored 70 points. And weather. Miami's had to play in some awful weather up there. Late in the year, last year in the playoff game, both those games were horrible weather. It's going to be 74 degrees at kickoff. The wind, less than 5%. Chance of rain, less than 10%. I think Buffalo's offense is good. They outscored the Raiders and Commanders 75-13, but I think their defense can be had. I think without Von Miller, who's going to miss the game on the IR, and even their best, you know, cornerback. I mean, White. He when he came back last year, he wasn't the same. I think he's lost a half a step, as well as a couple guys in that defensive backfield. You lose a half a step or a step, and you're playing Miami now. It's twenty-eight to the gate, or good night, Irene here. I like Miami. This is going to be a barn burner. Miami, 41-38 over Buffalo.
0: And then Sunday Night Football is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the New York Jets. Chiefs are giving up nine and a half points against a uh, strong Jets defense.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, how do they have a chance here? I mean, unless Travis Kelsey, I mean, runs off in a loaf with Taylor Swift. I mean, <laughs> they're in trouble. I mean, <laughs> Could happen. Um. I guess anything can happen. The line would certainly go down, but it's it's not just Zach Wilson. That offensive line, they have a porous offensive line. I mean, he's getting pressure from all over. There's infighting going on here. As good as that defense is, Kansas City's defense might be better. They're giving up just 13 points per game. Now, the Bears are not a good offense, but they held down the Lions, and we saw what they can do last night. Jags got talent here. Chris Jones, he's probably right up there with T.J. Watt and Myles Garrett as far as the most dominant pass rushers in the AFC. I like Kansas City big. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play at Chiefs 35-10.
0: Well, the free play this week features a Big 12 showdown. How do people get a hold of that one between Texas Tech and Houston?
1: want to get it for free. It's probably the battle for 12th place in the Big 12, but um, I think there's one clear side that's going to be an easy winner. You want to get it for free? Be one of the first 10 callers. 800-400-9741. First 10 callers. Get uh, this Texas Tech and Houston game on me. 800-400-9741. And you want to try me out? $10, my biggest college football release of the year. A 35-unit Blowout special, best bet. How do you get that $10 special on a game that goes tonight? Just one place, ParamountSports.com.
0: All right, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Again, check out that Locktober special they got going on, Lee. Appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, happy betting this weekend.
1: You too, guys. Have a great weekend and be safe.
0: All right, that's Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Again, check out the Locktober special. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got our game picks, and uh, going to use some of that information from Lee. Coming up on the other side, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till five, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Jayhawk fans, over... And uh, if you're looking for some maybe customized gear, some fun stuff, they've got all sorts of great giveaways going on at Grandstand, or or we're going to have giveaways going on uh, at Big Mill for our future tailgating shows from Grandstand. Grandstand, you you might not have heard of the company, but since 1988, they've been making some of the coolest branded items for your favorite craft beverage brands. Talking glasses, shirts, hats, giveaways, you name it, they can do it. I know they do the jerseys for uh, the Rock Truck Round Ball Classic. They've provided us with a bunch of great promotional items that we're going to be giving away at those future uh, live events. They're always on the lookout for great new team members. They love working with... Um, everybody that they can. Their place is amazing, and it's right here in Lawrence, so forget those long commutes. Their process is that cool blend of personal skill mixed with top-of-the-line technology, so it's not a surprise that everything they make is top, top quality. On top of all that, they have an air-conditioned production floor, an on-site gym with personal trainers, company events, and great salary and benefit packages. Plus, you get to help grow craft beer and spirits brands. How cool is that? So check them out at egrandstand.com. That's egrandstand.com slash careers to learn more that's letter e grandson.com slash careers right, we got our uh game picks here on rcst and uh i am doing very poorly nick is doing very yeah we well. should get a
2: different bed for you of like losing money
0: well no my my uh the open that we play for our betting segments that is me but yes
2: Correct. Which, I forgot to play that, by the way.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I noticed that. Um, So far, that has not been (laughs) you. Well, you you went into the read, and then I was like, okay, well, you know. Hmm. Be better. What? Be better. Don't blame. Be better. I'm not blaming anybody. you just blame me. I didn't blame you. I'm just saying you did the read, so it kind of worked out better than I didn't play. Okay. Well, anyway, you are uh, including your locks. You are 24, 15, and 3. I am 16, 25, and 1. Know who to go with. Know who to fade. Or maybe you think that... Both of us suck, which which we might, and then that would mean that maybe go with me this week because I'll get closer to five hundred, and Nick will be bad this week. I don't know. We'll see. No, I don't think so. Okay. You were 3-1-1 college football last week. You were 11-8-1 on the season. I was 0-4-1 in college football, 7-12-1 on the season. First up, we have a night game tonight. Number 10, Utah. At number 19, Oregon State, the Beavers are giving up 4.5 points. Yeah, this is tough because I like
2: Utah, but I also really like the Beavers. Uh, so I had a hard time picking this one. I'm gonna go with Utah. I think Utah is probably the better team overall, and probably better coached. But uh, I, I do like the I do like
0: Oregon State. Tough call. Give me Utah. Hmm. By the way, I will say if I don't know to, to further into the the Lance Leipold talk, if what? Lance Leipold hypothetically did leave for um, Michigan State, which again I I don't know that that's gonna happen. I still think it's more likely Lance Leipold's at Kansas than not. But uh, I think you call Jake Dickert and Jonathan Smith the uh, coach at Oregon State and then the first guy was the coach at Washington State immediately and you know right now with where they're at you'd be like well why would they take that job wouldn't that be a lateral move if you're at a power Oregon five State's school about to be in the pack, too. what they're both about to be exactly in kind of the Mountain West so maybe both would take it and both have been uh, pretty good coaches anyway um, I think four and a half is too much I think Oregon State wins the game I think Utah keeps it close within the four and a half give me Utah another Pac-12 game number eight USC is minus 21 and a half they're at Colorado yeah, this is tough.
2: Colorado just got blasted, obviously, by Oregon in a game that we both picked Colorado. By the way. Mm-hmm. I think the difference, though, uh, for w- when we picked Colorado against Oregon is Oregon's defense is actually good. USC's defense is not that good. Correct. So the philosophy behind Colorado last week against Oregon was that the offense for Colorado was to be able to score a little bit. That didn't happen. Now they're playing a U- uh, now they're playing USC. USC's defense is bad. I think Colorado loses by a lot, but less than twenty one and a half, I think. I don't know. I was wrong last week. I guess I could be wrong again. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the buffs here. can be Coach Prime, a little coach prime action. But uh they're gonna lose by a lot. Just not twenty one and a half, I don't think. Yeah, see, unless I,
0: USC just scores seventy. This is honestly one that I'm avoiding because I hate like, okay. Colorado's defense might give up fifty plus points to USC. It might give up sixty. USC's offense is really good, and Colorado's defense isn't great. But also, because like you said, USC's defense is not very good and Colorado's offense is good even without Travis Hunter, they could put up 28. They could put up 35. So I, exactly. But also, So if you lose know, 56 with, with to 35 you know, on 21 and a half, that's a cover. Baby. Yeah, I'm going to go USC, but I don't feel great about it. Number 22, Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky's undefeated. They are minus one and a half.
2: Yeah, I, I guess maybe the luster of Florida beating Tennessee's already wore off. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I'm just, I, don't, I don't really know that much about Kentucky, to be honest. Uh, but, I mean, I, I feel like Florida, they've got to – you beat Tennessee, you've got to be able to, to, to carry that momentum and, and keep things going. I'm going to go with Florida here. Uh, I Last time I picked against Florida, Graham Mertz turned into Patch Mahomes. So I'm just going to pick him and
0: see what he turns into for this game. I'm going to actually go Kentucky here. Kentucky's the home team. Uh, both teams have pretty solid defenses. I like Kentucky's quarterback more. Uh, Devin Leary, the former transfer from NC State. He's good. Kentucky's off to a 4-0 start. They've kind of snuck under radars. To me, they're a top 25 team. I'm going to take them at home here, minus 1.5. All right. Number 13, LSU, is minus 2.5. They're at number 20, Ole Miss. Dude, I think Ole Miss stinks.
2: Mm. I'm now I'm officially on the bandwagon of uh, Lane Kiffin is either sandbagging or he actually is just bad. I don't know. <laughs> because I don't know what's going on with Ole Miss. They They, they don't look very
0: good. I'm taking LSU. So after the game, Lane Kiffin was very honest after they lost to Alabama, and he was like very forthright that, because I think the question that he was asked, he was asked one question at one point, like, how do you move on from this? And he was like, to be honest, like, it's going to take me some time. And uh, I think they put a lot of eggs in their basket that this was going to be the year that they beat Alabama. Alabama's down and it didn't happen. They lose 24 to 10. I kind of think they're going to have a bit of a hangover this week, and this is a bad week to have a hangover for when LSU's chomping at the bit to be like, hey, the last time we played a top 25 opponent, we got kind of beat up in the second half. We're chomping at the bit to get back out there. Give me LSU minus 2.5. Fighting Brian Kelly. Yep. Number 11, Notre Dame, is minus 5.5 at number 17, Duke. College game day. Yeah, I'm going to go with Notre Dame here. I I think Notre Dame... Uh, in a weird
2: way, when you even when they even the way they lost it, that game against Ohio State, in a weird way, I think it's going to fuel them. I think it's going to drive them even more. And this is a Notre Dame team that, with the way their schedule is and how tough it is, they can survive one loss and mm-hmm. still be very much in the conversation for making the playoff. I have a rule change, by for. the way, that
0: I'd, I'd like to propose that just popped in my head that I think would be really funny and would add a lot of intrigue. So you to, know how Notre Dame... What? To just football college in football? general. Yeah, whatever, football, any level of football, whatever. Okay, um, I feel
2: like this is going to be dumb. but
0: Yes, but also hopefully in a fun way. So I Notre don't. Dame obviously had the play where they had, uh, the last play of the game, they had 10 players on the field, right? Sure. What if you were allowed I to? I already hate this idea. What if you were allowed to, at any point, you could, like, say, hey, we're going to only play with X amount of players, and then that allows you to carry over. The amount of players, players you're missing that on any other play in the game, you can add that many players on the field. So, for instance, if as a defense you say, all right, one, we're going to one play, play with six guys. That means next play we can play with 16. That is the dumbest thing I've ever Dude, heard of all time. Dude, that would be awesome. Because no, so then you could basically stupid. say, we're going to forfeit a play, and then we're going to keep in our back pocket... Like, what if you're like... But see, that's dumb. We're going to have five players on the field. Because then why wouldn't you just try to be down good down every the play? Game, no, no, fourth down late play in the game, like, replay. we're going to play 17. It would just add strategy. I think that no. would be actually really I think it would add zero strategy. it would be I think so funny. Be dumb. It would be so funny. I think it's one. a really stupid idea. So incredibly funny.
2: Anyways, before I'm so rudely
0: interrupted, I'm taking Notre Dame. Okay. I'm taking Duke. I just think Mike Elko, really good coach. Riley Leonard, really good quarterback. I think they keep it close. I think it's a close kind of low-scoring game. Two teams, good defenses, physical play. Um, give me Duke with the points. Your lock of the week. You are two one and one in college football. My lock of the week this week is South Carolina plus twelve at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. South Carolina played really close against Georgia
2: and looked pretty good. I thought I like Shane Beamer. Tennessee's overrated still. With uh, I don't think Joe Milton's very good, and uh, I'm kind of out on Tennessee's coach. Uh, his name just Josh, Josh Heupel. Josh Hypo. I'm yeah. kind of out on him at this point. Okay. Give me South Carolina plus honorable.
0: twelve against Tennessee. All right, I'm two and two. I'm going to game tonight. BYU is minus one at home against Cincinnati. It is the Big Twelve home opener, the Big Twelve all-time home opener for BYU. Uh, they they have great crowd attendance to begin with. going to crazy. That, yes, it's going to be crazy. It's a night game, and Cincinnati having to travel across two time zones. Um, so what happened to Kansas going to yes, Nevada? Into altitude on a short week with a Friday night. I don't think Cincinnati's a great team. I to be honest, on a neutral field, I'd be taking BYU over Cincinnati. So give me BYU minus one against Cincinnati tonight. Onto the NFL, where last week you were four and one. You were 10-4-1 on the air. I was two and three last week, seven and eight on the air. Uh, Miami and Buffalo. Buffalo giving up two and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Miami here. I was kind of torn. Like, would Miami come in kind of not totally sharp
2: off of a seventy point game? But I don't know. This is a game that Miami absolutely has to get up for, right? I mean, if you want to be in the conversation for making the Super Bowl out of the AFC, this is a game you need to win. And this is a game where Miami has a chance to make a statement on the road against Buffalo. And obviously, a game that could have significant consequences down the road in terms of who's going to win this division, which would be very significant because then it would be if one of these teams we think is going to win the division, the other team's going to be a wild card. If they have to play each other in the playoffs like they did last year, It was in Buffalo last year. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Miami would love to play in December in Miami and not (laughs) Buffalo. I'm
0: going to take Miami. I'm going to take Miami, too. Uh, Two and a half points. I I don't know how much it will matter in a game like this because typically you think of it being three, four, five, six, seven points or something, but maybe it does. Uh, I just kind of agree with you. I think Miami wins the game. They've been the most impressive team in football through the first three weeks of the year. Denver is minus three and a half in the toilet bowl at Chicago. Dude, the suck bowl, the crap bowl, the the just – is the actual winner of this game the loser because you have a better chance of Caleb Williams? <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, I think no. Okay, I'll say this from the Chicago standpoint.
2: Yes, Denver's trying. Denver yeah. is literally trying. They are they are not tanking. They are trying to win, and they still are just terrible. Uh, but I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna go with Denver here. I mean, just show some pride, Denver. Mm-hmm. Man, I. I... I wanted to take Chicago coming into this, but th- then I saw another story today. It's just been dysfunctional inside that Chicago locker room too. Chase Claypool was asked today, like if he feels like he's being misused or or if he's being used in the right way, I should say, and he was like, "No, you know, well, it's no, just that the, that's continued the, on." The thing about that question is, Chase Claypool, Claypool hasn't been being used at all. No. So he, he, they haven't even had the chance to use him. Wrongly or rightly, he's not even being used at all. Well, in like week one, he like he's like not trying on any of the blocks or some of the routes. Like I, I don't know, man. It, it's just a disaster. I'll take. I forgot he, he was even on the team half. to be honest. Yeah, I guess. Uh Baltimore's at Cleveland. The Browns are minus two and a half. Yeah, this is interesting. I think maybe if you took the name away from Cleveland and just looked at what they've
2: done so far this season, I feel like this line might actually be a little bit bigger in favor of Cleveland. So I don't know if that's. I don't know if there's some disrespect going on there because Cleveland's been great so far this season, right? I'm going to go with Baltimore, though. I think Baltimore is good enough to, to maybe to get this win. Uh, Cleveland's defense has obviously been really great, but uh, I like the Ravens here.
0: Yeah, I think Baltimore are able to bounce back. Um, also, Deshaun Watson's questionable with a shoulder injury. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a game that Baltimore kind of needs after losing yeah. to Indianapolis. But also... Baltimore just lost to a backup quarterback last week, too, right? And, and Cleveland's got an even better defense than Indy. So, I don't feel great about it, but I could see it being a low-scoring, gross, weird score when you have two good defenses where it's like even if the Browns win, it's 16-14. to 14 There's a, there's a lot the of gross cover. games on the NFL. There are. This, week. this could be one of them. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans minus 3.5. Yeah, no, this is definitely a gross game. Uh, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. I don't know. I've, I've wow. Been- I don't know. I am shocked because of what? your love for Jameis Winston. Who's I do be love Jameis Winston. starting this game, and this is the Jameis Winston revenge game. I do love Jameis Winston. Against his former team. He's bad. Against <laughs> his former team, Nick. He's bad. The revenge.
2: Buccaneers are going to be eating a W against the
0: against the Saints here. No, I'm taking the revenge game. Give me New Orleans minus three and a half. Well, J- dude, Jameis drove the Saints into field goal range. The kicker just missed it. He would have gotten all the praise for being the hero last game, but the kicker messed him up. Uh, Washington at Philadelphia, Eagles are minus nine. Nine points. That's a pretty big line. I know the Chiefs are favored by nine against the Jets too, but how often different. do NFL teams get blown out back to back weeks when yeah, they're not like the Bears different. or the Broncos, yeah, right? This is different. Washington's at least. I'm decent. going with the commanders. I am too. I, I think nine's too much. I think they keep it close. Uh, what is your lock of the week? Lock of the week, and this, this feels
2: too good to be true. I mean I don't know what I don't know what is going on here. Somebody they, they let the blind guy set the line here for the Seahawks and the Giants.
0: Seahawks are plus one and a half. Because they're traveling at New all the way across the country. That doesn't matter. Okay. Give me Seattle. Jet lag. I'm gonna take the Rams. They're in Jet a lag pick-up. only works if it's a if it's a noon kickoff. It's okay. a Monday night game. Uh they're in a them at Indianapolis. I think the Rams are just straight up a better team, even though the record says Indy's two and one and the Rams are one and two. Look at the schedules who they played. Indy, I think, kind of got lucky a little bit against Baltimore. That was just one of those weird wins that happens over the course of NFL season. The Rams stink. I'm taking the Rams. You have gone you said earlier this week you thought they were good. No, I didn't. Yes, you I did. said this week they were bad. I said the week before okay. they I thought they were good. Whatever. Uh, give me the Rams and no, pick they them. They stink. At Indianapolis. All right, we're gonna take a timeout. out. More Artario Morris, Lance Leipold talk, KU Texas preview. More of that coming up in the five o'clock hour. Rich Miller audio as well. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We got high school football coming at you tonight. Lawrence High right here on KLWN at 7 and our KLWN video stream at klwn.com. Free State over on 92.9 The Bowl and bull929.com at 7 o'clock as well. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action and the college football action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KLWN. We're going to get to uh, some KU game lines and, and do our KU game picks here. You can do that at DraftKings, and again, use code KLWN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Twenty-one and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com/slash-football-terms. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Um So, before we get into some more KU football talk against Texas, just wanted to reiterate some of the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, Arterio Morris has officially been booted off the KU men's basketball team after he was. Uh, arrested and charged in regards to the rape allegation, or I guess charge wouldn't be the right word, would it? Um, I think char- I think charge. Charged, is right charged but not. Yeah, I guess he still has to go to court and everything. Is, is yeah, charges. The right yeah. Word. yeah, yeah. So he still has to, you know, do that. Uh, I believe he has been released on bond. I, I think that was part of it as well. Um, so obviously, this is something that I think kind of. I guess I. I don't know. I. I don't feel like I need to mince my words here. Good riddance. No yeah. offense. Well, no, no offense taken. Actually, yes. Good riddance. Yeah, I mean, this is
2: a situation where, obviously, with the arrest and everything and now the charges for KU, that's it, right? You're done at that point. I mean, I think this was kind of just a—I think this was just kind of a—less of a if Arterio Morris will return and, and more of a when he will not return, right? Like, it's not—when he was suspended and definitely I, I don't think there was any question that he was going to be able to return to the team unless there was some sort of full exoneration in such a short period of time. So, well, uh, and by the way,
0: the um, this is in the, the Kansas City Star story, uh, kind of updating things to show you how not that I don't think people knew this wasn't serious, but uh, the penalty range for a guilty verdict is anywhere between oh yeah, 12 like, years yeah. and 54 years. Okay, it's like minimum 10, yes. to 12, yeah, 12 years. I mean, it's, it's probably pretty safe to assume Artario Moore's basketball career might be over, very well could be, yeah, yes,
2: um, given the circumstances, you know, and so, yeah, I think. Th- for, from Ku and the basketball, from the basketball standpoint, this is an open and shut case, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a guy you can continue to be associated with, continue to be associated with your program, and uh, uh, you know we, we've talked it we've talked about it kind of ad nauseum over the course of this whole situation that, you know, this this was an outcome that. I don't think anybody hoped would happen, but was certainly a re- an outcome that could happen. Where right. you bring him in and Right, either, there, there either is because a real victim previous...
0: here a poor girl that, that yeah. had to deal with this, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. and I mean there, this this was an outcome that was possible. Either because of his previous incident, which that ultimately kind of got played out to whatever the misdemeanor, whatever it was, or you know some sort of new incident like this, where now it just it's just kind of a a, a little bit of a black eye on the on the program for the mm-hmm. time being, uh, and I think for Ku. This might actually end up, from the basketball standpoint and from the team perspective, you know, maybe having this happen right now before the season starts will give the team a chance to sort of, you know, take it all in and maybe come into the season with uh, sort of a fresh outlook on things and go from there, right? Because this is this is something that I mean, who knows how it could affect, you know, your locker room, your your team chemistry, obviously, uh, all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot to take in here, and and again, I think the the biggest thing here is this is a guy that. When he was originally suspended, it seemed very, very unlikely that he would ever return. And now, obviously, now that's for sure not going to be the case. But, uh, again, we, we've talked about it a lot. It just raises the questions of what, was this Was this worth it to begin with, right? Was, was recruiting a guy like this worth it to begin with with some of the issues he'd had? What did KU know versus what did they not know, right, in terms of their background and how, how sure. much they really vetted you know how much was Bill Self involved? How much was maybe even to get someone like Travis Goff involved with these with his decision making and and ultimately allowing Arturo Morris to, to join the team and and you know th- those are some serious questions, right? And, and and again, I think going back to when this first happened, again, my thought process was, you know, Bill Self is a Hall of Fame coach; he's been doing it for over twenty years. I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I think that, that was he, a lot of people's. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that he. Understands the gravity of the situation, knows, you know. Again, I think I hear all the time for fans. Well, Bill Self knows more than I do, yeah. and that may be that may be true. But then he still made a decision that probably wasn't the best for right. the
0: program. The thing. Probably it, wasn't the best for the university, and it just it kind of it blew up. It can me. be a couple things. One, maybe the kid lied to you, and maybe that's something you have to take into account based on what happened in the past. Now, the second part of that is maybe you did know but you thought that you were going to be off scot-free from things and because a previous school didn't have any issues with him, then why would you have to, right? Or maybe because, you thought you could fix him. Maybe you thought you could yeah, that's, give him too. a second I mean, chance and put him on the street I understand and arrow that, or, and I understand the second chance thing, but there are certain things like I saw somebody putting out like their, you know, well, Jalen Wilson got a second chance with the DUI. Okay, very different situation. Very, very different situation with those. And I'm not trying to condone one crime or another, but very different situation in a lot of ways. One guy was already on your team. Uh, one guy um you know it, it's a different situation i i don't know that the like numbers on the dui ever officially came out sometimes you can get a dui for you know blowing a 0.06 even below the 0.08 but i oh, yeah. you know, i don't, it I don't think it's lanes, fair right. to compare any of them no it's it's anyways. not it's not and and i think we should probably just end it there but i i guess my point is like just because he might have known stuff sometimes that doesn't mean like, sometimes it's just like, oh, but I don't care. It's like, I, I don't care. We're going to try to win games. And so yeah. this was, to me, gross from the beginning, and it turned out a very gross way, which is unfortunate in how this all went out. Obviously, from an encore perspective, uh, this makes KU a much less deep team at the guard position and, you know, overall for, for the entirety of everything. But, uh, yeah, no Artaria Morris on the team. Um, now, also some other, I don't know if I would call this news or a report, uh, what you want to call it. Okay. But uh, we talked about this earlier in the show as well. Bruce Feldman, and this was just a day after yesterday, we talked about the quote that was given by Lance Leipold on, on that one podcast. Um, this today from Bruce Feldman, La- Kansas Lance Leipold and Washington State's Jake Dickert have emerged as strong candidates in the early stages of the Michigan State coaching search, a source told The Athletic.
2: Listen, I think at this point, if you are any... So I'm going to say two things here. Number one, if you are any program like a Michigan State or you know another big-name program wherever... That is looking for candidates. Why would you not look at Lance Leipold, right? He's probably one of the hottest coaches in the country right now for what he's doing at Kansas, right? So I don't know how much I read into the idea. I mean, I, at this point, I would say any big coaching job might have Leipold listed as a candidate because he's one of the hottest coaches in the country. Do you agree with that, right? Are you attracted to Lance Leipold? You keep saying no. He's I'm hot. saying I'm saying hottest in terms of what he's doing. Obviously, okay. I just making sure, dude. What I mean, what is with wrong, wrong with I'm you? Just, you know, what's wrong with you? He's a powerful man. So, anyways, the second part of this I will say though is. For anybody, and there's people that have that have floated this this uh, this take. For anybody that's like, well, you should be flattered that Lance Leipold is is a candidate. You should be flattered. You you know, Kansas used to be a program that you know was down in the dubs. You should be flattered that that he's a. No, I'm not flattered. I'll be flattered if he doesn't take the job. But next year, if Lance Leipold's coaching at Michigan State, you're going to be just as sad as the rest of us. So no, I'm not flattered. Nobody should be flattered.
0: By the way, as part of this uh, article, this is just a side note. Um, it says who will get consideration from Group of Five ranks, and it says Willie Fritz, Tulane head coach, said Fritz would be a solid candidate. Blah blah. And it goes into which—that's the guy you know, that people maybe wanted for Kansas. Well, here at the end of it, it says um, Tulane is two and one this fall, and I could see him and play at Northwestern, and he would be an obvious choice at Kansas if Leipold jumps to Michigan State.
2: Yeah, so, I, I would tend so to that's agree. Kind with of that. Interesting.
0: Now, I, I do agree. Uh, uh, now I will say this though, yeah. and
2: I—I uh, maybe you may disagree with this me on this, but. If Lance Leipold leaves, hypothetically, I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying that I think he will. Just let's, let's play this out, if he does. To me, if you're Kansas, your obvious choice is Andy Kolnicki. Your obvious choice is say, hey, Andy, listen, you've been, with, you've been under Lance Leipold long enough. You are ready. You are ready to be a head coach. Let's do it right here at Kansas. That's what I would do. If I'm yeah. Travis Goff, I am throwing the kitchen sink at Andy Kolnicki and saying, stay here and continue to build what you've been building with Lance Leipold. Because I think, and again, you may disagree with me on this, I think that if Lance Leipold leaves and he, and he takes all of his assistants, takes everything with him, Andy Kolnick goes with him, Brian Brolin goes with him, and you bring in a coach from the outside, I think what Lance Leipold has been building here at Kansas is he's been building in a very, very specific way. And I think even if you bring it, if you bring in somebody from the outside after Lance Leipold, that's, that, that's not been a part of that process and really understands exactly the way Lance Leipold's doing things, I just wonder if it's almost like you have to go back to the foundation again. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you – I mean, that's just my thought process. Like, I don't know how much the specific way in which Lance Leipold has gone about doing this – if you bring in a new coach from the outside with a brand new staff and everything,
0: how much is that wiped away? Yeah, and I mean, that's something we can talk about more if he actually, like, were to take another job. But yeah. I, I, I do think no again, I surface level. because yeah. No, yeah. I do agree. It's it's interesting. And on one hand, you would say that's why the I would floor say, has been raised. The facilities are way better. The, the money, the support is way better than it was. They'll still have some players who are on the roster who made this team what they are. That that makes it better. But on the other hand... In the day and age of the transfer portal, when coaches leave, exactly. most of the roster leaves. And they have all these guys from Detroit or committed from Detroit. You think of Isaiah Marshall. Like, how would that affect things? Yeah, I mean, there's there's I mean, a lot of questions. There's there. examples of this at the Group of Five level. We
2: KU just played a team earlier this year that had that experience. Nevada. Sure. Look at the Nevada team. They got totally, goes to Colorado State. totally gutted. Yep. Totally gutted.
0: And now they're in a long rebuilding process. Uh, but anyway, uh, who knows what this means. Again, you go back to the quotes the other day, and he was pretty adamant about wanting to stay in Kansas. But also, we mentioned the quote where he said... <laughs> Uh, the, internally, the or internally or yeah. externally if things like you know change or whatnot well part of that externally could be if the right job approaches part of the internally could be if we don't have the right fan support and so maybe this is just again Lance Leipold and his agent applying pressure because we, we saw the Travis yeah. Goff letter that was, was, say, was this, sent this out this comes off the back right? of, the, of the Travis Goff letter this could basically all be a way to signal to KU fans to be like hey you better support this team, not just in terms of attendance and going to games, but we need donations. We need to build the stadium. We need to make sure this project goes on time and according to plan. Yep. We need to make sure we have enough NIL money for the players that our coach wants. It could just be a signal for that to be like, hey, I have other jobs interested. I don't have to stay at Kansas, so take care of me. Take care. You know what I mean? Or it could be real interest. I don't know. But it's very interesting because Bruce Feldman was the one who broke Lance Leipold's uh, uh, reports on him becoming a coach at Buffalo. He was the one who broke his report on him coming, uh, becoming the coach at Kansas. He has a good relationship with his agent. And, uh, they have the same agent, right, I think? I, I can't remember if that was true or not. I, I thought oh, okay. I heard that somewhere, and I think I said it on the show. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, anyway. Um, but they have good
2: connections, obviously. Yes, they
0: have good connections. And so clearly it's it's somebody who... If he's getting this out there, it is either, hey, do me a favor for the, the first reason I just talked about, or yep. it's because he or actually it's is well sourced. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll have plenty more time to talk about the uh, job stuff. You just hope that doesn't become a stra- distraction. Yeah. Forget about Don't all, all that. Now, right? Let's focus on the big yeah. topic here, and that is horns down. <laughs> there you go. Um, by the way, okay, wait. This is actually fun hypothetical. What? If I guaranteed you Kansas would win the Big Twelve championship in football this year, but then Lance Leipold would leave for Michigan State, would you no, take that trade off? I'm not even going to. I'm not, like, not even okay. going to.
2: Not even dignify that with a response. Okay, I am so tired of. Oh, would you rather have 20 toes or 50, you know, who, this ridiculous, I I,
0: I I, hate that stuff, man. Okay. I don't like it. All right, uh, but I do like that people keep asking those questions, because then I have to squirm about yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's lovely. I actually think people should ask more of those. Anyway, <laughs> uh, players to watch in the game. Let's start with the uh, offensive side of the ball. So KU offense, Texas defense, who is uh, your players to watch there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer here would be Jalen Daniels or Devin Neal. Uh, I'm gonna so I'm gonna kind of cheat here. I'm gonna say Jalen Daniels, but I'm gonna say Jalen Daniels specifically with his with his running running ability. What does that look like? Either is, is KU going to be active in trying to get him out of the pocket so that he can utilize that scramble ability, and maybe that'll help offset the Texas pass rush also. And, and again, I, I keep hovering on this because I think it's important. Last season when KU faced Texas, Jalen Daniels was that was his first game back from a shoulder injury, and it was clear that KU was trying to protect him. And obviously, once the game became a blowout, they didn't there was no reason to try to put him in any more harm's way. I am just I just wonder if KU doesn't say, you know what, we don't have any of that on film against Texas from last year. Let's try to utilize Daniel Daniels more in the ground game and
0: see how Texas responds to that and if they are prepared for that. I, I'm really, really curious to see how much of a factor that is in this game. Yes, I think that's a good one. Um, if I'm going with my player to watch on the offensive side of the ball, I, I just kind of want to pick, like, I, I don't know which receiver it is. It's hard when you pick a KU receiver because yeah. the ball gets so I know, because right you around, almost want right? to say,
2: like, well, I'll pick Fairchild,
0: yeah. Skinner, and right. Lawrence Arnold because none of them had touchdowns, and maybe one of them might. Right. And so I don't know. don't have three eyes. I don't and know when you're going to watch. Is. So I'm kind of I'm going to cheat here. I'm not, I'm not going to give you an action. I'm just going to say <laughs> one of the receivers, Luke Graham, <laughs> Quentin Skinner, Lawrence Arnold, one of those guys is my player to watch. I think one of them is going to have a big game, and one of them is going to have to because Texas pass rush is going to be able to get there at times with four or five guys, even against a good Kansas offensive line.
2: Can I, um, can I give you another sneaky player to watch? Sure. Jason Bean, baby. Mm. I've been saying all along. I think Jason Bean has a role carved for this offense. I think he. I think there are schemes that they want to utilize him in, whether it's trick plays or whatever. And I think KU has been intentionally utilizing, or not, I guess I should say, they have been intentionally putting him on the field and not utilizing him on tape to utilize him more as a decoy. I, I feel really good that there's some plays that Andy Colnicky has designed
0: to utilize Jason Bean. And I think we might see some of them unleashed, unleashed against Texas. Okay. Uh, now, as far as the Texas defensive player to watch, uh, I'm going to go Byron Murphy. Only 11 tackles this year, so it doesn't jump off the page. Two and a half sacks, but he is a he is a force on the middle of that defensive line. He's he's a really good defensive tackle. He plugs up running holes. He gets pass rush pressure. Uh, and, and the KU offensive line, as good as they've been, I think they've been better at the tackle positions so far this year than they have on the interior. Um, that means it's a challenge for those guys because I think Texas is actually even better on the interior than they are on the exterior. Even though, just like the KU offensive line, they're good at both. Uh, so yeah, that's my player to watch for the Texas defense.
2: On the defense, I think the I'll just go with the obvious one here: Jalen Ford. Right, yep. the
0: battle of the Jalen's, the, Jaylen, the Jalen, the, the Jalen Bowl Big Twelve offense. Yeah. How, how do you feel the about Jalen Bowl? A mm. Jalen Bowl. Well, like does that? the the loser have to spell it like the winner? Jalen
2: Ford is <laughs> <it's> J-A-Y-L-A-N.
0: <laughs> and then you have J A L. So how would
2: no? So how would you spell the Jalen Bowl? You, sp- you just wait oh. until the winner, and then you spell it that way? Or do you spell it a third way, that way it's not... I think you not- spell it a third
0: way, so it's like <laughs> J-L-O-N.
2: <laughs> yeah, so the Jalen Bull, Jalen Ford, as you said, Big Tall Defensive Player of the Year against the Big Tall Offensive Player of the Year. He 25 tackles this year. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a, just a Two tackling machine, a yeah. great player, an impact player, a veteran. And if I'm not mistaken, he was a guy that was a, a starter for the Texas team in 2021 when they lost to Kansas. So when you have a guy like that, who's a veteran leader like that level... That makes me think that Texas is not going to be overlooking Kansas because when you
0: have guys that remember what happened two years ago, they're probably going to be pretty locked in. Yep. All right. Uh, KU Texas or uh, or the KU off. Uh, wait, no. KU defense Dude. versus the Texas offense. I'm all out of sorts here. <laughs> uh, who's your KU defensive player to watch? Defensive player to watch.
2: Man, I, I think there's a couple good options. I, I, I'm really intrigued by Kobe Bryant, how KU is going to utilize him. Uh, you know, earlier in the week, I thought maybe you might try to put him up against Xavier Worthy, but. I, just from hearing from other people, I think maybe that might not be as good an idea as I originally thought it was, which I guess is why I'm not the defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, then you go into the secondary, you could look at someone like Kenny Logan, a veteran, a veteran leader, just like Jalen Ford on the defense for Texas. You go up front, Austin Booker. This could be a game where you might need to lean on him as a pass rusher to, to make something happen. Obviously, someone like J.B. Brown, uh, Rich Miller. I'll go with Austin Booker here. Uh, I think. Either him or Jamie Robinson, one of those guys. I think you need to get some pressure. You need to be able to generate a pass rush on Quinn Ewers. We talked about it earlier in the week how Quinn Ewers, when you look at his numbers under pressure, they drop pretty significantly. But the problem is he hasn't been under pressure much at all this season because the Texas offensive line has been really strong in pass protection. So
0: can you break through there and get some pressure on him? Austin Booker. Well, I think that's going to be the most fun matchup of the game. Booker against uh, Kelvin Banks, who's a former five-star. He's been really good at left tackle for Texas so far this year. Yeah, that'll be uh, a lot of fun. I'm going to go J.B. Brown. This is the exact type of game that J.B. Brown would be perfect for, right? You have a Texas team that is is super athletic. They're super strong. J.B. Brown is both of those things. You know, he can kind of match the physicality and the athleticism of what Texas brings to the table. You have to slow down the run more. You have to slow down the run. Lance Lightpolder era games where you go up four and a half yards per carry or less, you're ten and zero. When you don't, you're two and seventeen. Uh, you got torched on the ground last year. You gave up four twenty seven. You need the linebackers to step up. Give me yeah. J. B. Brown. You
2: want to hear a wild stat on uh, DraftKings? Mm-hmm. Yes, Jonathan Brooks, the running back for Texas, anytime touchdown for Jonathan Brooks. I saw that minus three ninety. Crazy. Yeah, that's like a they're like so the the books
0: DraftKings seems to think that John, like it's Jonathan like Brooks guarantee. is guaranteed it's to score a touchdown. Money. That's it's insane. Free money. Uh, speaking of which, let's get to our uh, game picks here. Kansas is getting sixteen and a half points. Uh, by the way, we're both doing bad on Ku game picks, so uh, I don't know. Take that <laughs> with a grain of salt. But who do you like in this one? Yeah, uh, man, I'll I'll go with Kansas. Uh,
2: I I feel pretty good about it, but I don't feel great. I I think they'll be able to keep it close, though. I I think the way I don't think this will be a blowout, but I think the way that Texas could ultimately cover this this a uh, spread like this. Is if maybe let's say Kansas keeps it close, it's within a seven to ten point game going into the fourth quarter, and maybe Texas finally just overwhelms them late and puts up a couple garbage time touchdowns or touchdowns late in the game that make it like a you know thirty eight to 20, 41 to twenty, yeah. or something like that. Well, that's, that's, that's my concern. The, the
0: Wyoming game it was ten to ten going into the fourth quarter. Exactly. They won thirty one to ten. Yeah. You know, I, um, I could easily see something
2: similar happening where it's like where it's like Kansas is right there, right, and then maybe you hit like. Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it just, you know, you just run out of steam if you're Kansas against the physicality and, and strike the Texas. Yeah.
0: The thing that gets me, how many games is Lance Leipold like in, in the time with Lance Leipold at KU since Jalen Daniels took over as the starter? So the last three games of 2021 20, on, have they actually lost by like 15 or more? It's just the I mean, Texas game last Texas, year, right? I think. And, is there any others? Uh, I guess the the Oklahoma State, game? Kansas State would have been his freshman there. Freshman year? Where he, where yeah, they no, lost. I'm, like, saying, I'm, saying since, to, I'm saying since the last three games of 2021 on. Okay, okay. Okay. So I, I think it's just those two, Kansas State, which that one was I think what, 47-29 or 47-20. I don't know. Um yeah. I am going to go Texas. I'll, I'll be honest, I was uh before before all this Lance Leipold coaching stuff, my score prediction was 42-28 Texas. I'm worried that this is going to cause a little more distraction. I'm going to say now I have at 42-24, which means that I have Texas covering the 16 and a half. Pretty close to that. Yeah, it is. I I also have the over on that, the over under 61 and a half. So uh, what is your over under? Yeah, I'm going to go with the over two uh, because
3: I,
2: I mean, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on this. Like, what's the best way for Kansas to win this game? Is it is for is it for Kansas to kind of make it in a phone booth and try to just run some clock and keep it close, and that would drive the score down, or should Kansas just try to score as much as they can and hope to outscore Texas? I I, I don't honestly I don't know. I mean, you can make arguments I think for both ways to play this game if you're Kansas. Uh, I I'll go over though. I'll go over. I I don't think the Kansas defense is going to be able to slow down Texas that much so if Texas is going to be putting up a lot of points I think that's just going to maybe force the hand of Kansas to try to score as well and that's going to drive up the score I'll go over
0: All right, we're going to take a timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Got some Rich Miller audio coming up next. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST Podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page, at rcst1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, rcst1320am at gmail.com. That's rcst1320am at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.